What is up, guys? Welcome to the MMA Point live chat. I am Jason. You know me. I'm the co-owner of the channel. I'm joined by Pete Carroll, who is way too good for this channel, and we were just talking about some of the cool things that we've got going on this year. Can't wait. How's it going, Pete? How are you feeling? Good, good, man. It just, I just feel like there's so much to get through after the weekend. I, I feel like, you know, from Izzy to Amanda to Jan and Aljo to Islam Makashev, there's just so many things to get through. I think this could be a seven-hour live chat, and we still wouldn't get through everything we need to talk about. Don't worry. It's not going to be. Don't worry. It might be. <laughs> we do whatever we want. That's right. Um, and let's give a shout-out to Lawton. How are you doing, Lawton? Doing great. How is everybody doing today? We are here. We are on time. We are having fun. I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah, still recovering from the weekend. Of course, he was working with all the autopsy stuff, all the live chat. I think we got um, two hours. Tom got two hours of sleep, so... People asking what Tom's been up to. Tom's working like a dog behind the scenes. Yeah. He went and did the True Jordy podcast, which was an hour and a half drive for him. Then he drove back, got right on to editing the autopsy on Sunday morning, sent it to us, and then, uh, yeah, the day just kind of kept going on. So, yeah, crazy weekend, still recovering from that. I do have a bit of an announcement at the top of this one. Uh, so I want to let you guys know we are switching. <laughs> oh, my God, what's it going to be? We are switching the uh, podcast over to the extras channel starting next week. So the live chat, we're switching it over there. Of course, if you're listening to the audio version, that will be on the normal channels. You'll see it on Google, Spotify, all those different things, Apple Music, Apple Podcast, I guess is what I should be saying. But uh, yeah, just kind of the reason behind it is we really want to start putting some life into that channel first off. We feel like long form content will kind of be the voice of that channel and really indie type kind of stuff. PT is working on a new series for us. We've got the Composes Corner, which will be going live today. And we kind of feel like the long form content lends itself better to that in focusing on kind of doing a little bit more of the long form and more indie style stuff. So you'll see a lot of that starting to happen on that channel. And also, we're going to start using it as kind of a creative haven where we start pitching ideas out there, start using the writers more. So I think you're going to start seeing a lot of that. And then we're going to use that as a bit of a basis to bring it over to the main channel. So you're going to see it as kind of like, I don't know. I don't know what to compare it to other than like an old man's like MTV comparison. It's like MTV when it came out in the eighties, that tells you how old I am. But um, yeah, so that's the reason behind it. There's uh, enough people that I think that are subscribed to that channel where the number of viewers will be the same. It's more about positioning that channel and giving that channel some love. And uh, yeah, I think the fans will really appreciate it on that channel. Um, Idiot says, shut up or talk about the fights. Well, you're on my channel, so you can leave. <laughs> Ooh, <fuck. laughs> so, see, that's the thing. We also don't give a fuck on this channel. We will curse. <laughs> we, will, we will tell you what's up. But yeah, so I guess uh, with all that being said, I hope that uh, wasn't too uh, crazy of a thing to announce up front. But let's jump right into the Kumite. We've got a lot to talk about this week. What you got, Lon? So we are diving in. Same thing as always, everyone. We've got five topics. We are going to do the typical voting system, but not for the first one. We are actually going to give that to PT first because he has a little more insight than any of us. So... We will not vote for the first topic, but the next four we will, so I'll preface you guys in the chat like normal. But yeah, so we're just going to kind of go rapid fire, uh, one minute a person on these topics, and we got the headlines on the left side of your screen. 
So the first one we got is Aljo as champ and a little bit of background for that. And like I said, Pizza, you are getting this one first. So just be prepared. But with the recent interviews that have come out from Aljo and Jan's camp, including the one that PT did with Jan's coach, has any of this affected your opinion on obviously what happened Saturday? So PT, that is it. You've got some insight because you did the interview with Jan's coach. So you ready to give us your concise one minute thought? <laughs> Absolutely. All right. sir. Absolutely. All right. You got the one minute starting now. So I think it was an incredibly unfortunate end to the fight. I felt like Jan was moving in for victory. And then unfortunately, the illegal blow was delivered. And absolutely no way should the fight continue at that stage. I don't think you can argue with Aljo. I don't think you can argue with the referee. I think they should have done it quicker. But I was speaking to John Hutchinson, who has been in Jan's corner since his first UFC fight as boxing coach. And really, the 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 feeling from their camp is... As far as John was concerned, he, he thought Aljo could have continued. He, he didn't know what happened in terms of the communication. We all saw Jan look to the corner, but as John told me, he speaks English. I, I don't understand if something came from uh, one of the Russian corners. He didn't understand it. No one from the Russian corner said anything, uh, that they said anything afterwards. But I guess the big feeling for them is Aljo kind of positioning for the Cejudo fight has left a really bad taste in their mouth. They talk, Aljo constantly talked about Jan being a paper champion. They feel like the only natural thing to do here is to rematch Jan rather than go look for a fight with Henry Cejudo. Nice. Cool. All right. Did I cover everything, AJ? Is there anything else you wanted me to hit on? Yeah. Um, what do you think? <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> Killed it. I couldn't even think of anything to say interesting there. What do you think of his hair? Uh, I actually love his hair. Yeah, yeah. Either there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, right. we can go forward with it. I'm ready. Jason, you ready for your minute? Yes, sir. Cool. You got one minute. Same topic starting now. Yeah, so one thing that I'm... I'll be honest. I'm annoyed with the fans on this one. I just totally am. Like, looking at the reactions before even hearing a man out, people are disliking the stuff. And I understand that there are moments here that are worth disliking. We were talking about him posing with Cejudo. I don't think he should have done that. But I understand, you know, I posted on my Twitter him being at a, a group kind of party with uh, a family and friends and then basically coaxing him into just saying, hey, man, cheer yourself up. You are the champion. It's not your fault that you got need in the face illegally. And um, I think there should be a little bit more backlash against Jan. I'm being totally honest here because I think imagine if John Jones was acting that way if Anthony Smith had taken the DQ. I think it depends on if you like the person or not. And I think people are letting that affect them. Like Giannis acting like he didn't do anything wrong. He did everything wrong. And I don't think Aljo faked it. That was a TKO level knee. So yeah, I'm more annoyed. I think that's how it's affected me. <laughs> more annoyed with the fans. More be real. Okay. We always have one, one issue with the fans per week anyway. So that's, that's fair. <laughs> not all the fans. <laughs> I mean, uh, so no, he's talking about all of you people. Remember that when you're voting. You. Remember that when you're voting. Well, so let me say this as well, just to add something to that. I'm not saying that there isn't a way to be pissed off at the situation and disagree with, you know, the takes. I'm not saying that you have to agree with me or anything like that, because I think that that might give off that impression. I just think it's the ones that are just like, yeah, he's faking and flopping. Like, you don't. You don't know that, and you look at the knee, it landed hard as hell. Just because he gave an interview after it, that's what a lot of people are saying, like, oh, he gave an interview after it. He must have been fine. Well, so did Alistair Overing, and he said some wacky things after that. And so, like, 
I don't know. They're expecting everything that uh, Aljo says after that. I mean, he's saying he threw up afterwards. I don't know what else you guys want from the guy. Like, he didn't do anything wrong. I think everybody agrees. I'll put my hand up and say he was losing that fight hand over fist. I only gave him one round going into that fourth is when this took place. He was hand over fist losing the fight. But it's not his fault. He got kneed while he's on the ground. And there has to be repercussions for that. And whether or not you think he's faking and flopping, uh, you can't deny that that knee landed really hard. And the one thing that you have to acknowledge is that that is conjecture 1,000%. You're basing that on nothing. I picked Jan to win that fight. I thought Jan would win that fight. I'm not somebody that's like a big Aljo stan or something walking into this that's just like, man, I just really wanted that guy to win. No, I, I thought it sucked. Everybody thinks that this sucks. I don't think there's a single person that's just like, yeah, that was the best case scenario. No, it was the worst case scenario. It was literally one of the worst case scenarios short of, you know, like something really tragic happening in the cage. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's about as bad as it gets. So, yeah, there's well, apart me going from Dana, I, I think the rematch is going to have so much interest around it. Like, I felt like all week, yeah. and I said this weeks before that it was my favorite fight in the card, but the intensity between those two guys was unbelievable all week. Every yeah. face-off... Yeah. Everything they did, it was magic. And that's going to only magnify this. So if anyone is happy about this, it's got to be the UFC because they have a really marketable match there between Jan and Aljo in the rematch. But again, I, I agree with you. The only thing I really kind of was like, here, what's going on here? Was when Aljo did the picture with Cejudo. And really, yeah. I think that was all to Cejudo's benefit. I don't see how that benefited Aljo. I really don't. <laughs> the only person I saw winning there, like... Uh, in terms of benefit was Cejudo because he once again implanted himself in the conversation when we haven't seen him for a year. Yeah. So he's the most unretired, retired fighter of all time, basically. Yeah, that's exactly true. I don't think anybody's taken his retirement seriously. And he's art. I mean, like day one, he was calling other people out. Now it sounds like he's really serious about when he come back, which I hope he does to be fair, you know? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't think he should oppose with Cejudo, whether it was Cejudo's idea or his idea. He shouldn't have done that. So I'm not not saying he's not blameless in this scenario. But the thing is, it comes back to the same thing. Did he knee himself illegally? No. <laughs> Someone else did that, guys. Um, okay, but we can move it on. We can talk about this as much as we want to. I know um, JTVA sent me a message about it. By the way, anybody who wants to hit us up on Twitter with longer messages to me or... PT, I don't know if you have your Twitter pulled up, but like that might be a way that you can get in a longer take that we can read off of Twitter um, through a DM or whatever it might be. But moving it on from that topic, we'll cool. come back to this one. Go ahead. Yep. All right. So moving on now, guys, we are going to go back to the standard voting. So who should take this uh, headline first, Jason or PT? Put your votes in the chat. You only get one vote. Don't spam it. Won't count it as multiple. So we got the headline of goodbye featherweights. So Megan Anderson announced that her contract will not be renewed by the UFC, and on her Twitch, she said that the UFC is getting rid of the women's 145-pound division. Dana said he'll keep the division in response as long as Nunez wants. So what do you make of all of this and the featherweight division? So let's jump to the chat. Let's see who we got here. Ooh, looking like... PT. It's a little close. It started off PT strong. Let's see. Let's get yeah, one for Lawton there. What are your yeah. take, what's your take, Lawton? Don't be like, oh, it's close. Like, just be like, no, it's no, PT. That's yeah, great. It's, it's PT. There's like four or five that just came in for PT. So, Come on. PT, congratulations. You won the first vote of the day. 
you have the headline goodbye featherweights and what your thoughts are you ready for your minute yes all right one minute starting now the good boy featherweights thing i think the indication is for me was always going to be if they kept megan around they were keeping the division i know she entered free agency but as i said to jason on sunday i said if they really are serious about this division they need to keep the person there that last challenged Amanda Nunes because they need someone to bleed the new challengers into the championship mix. They need someone there that will validate the reason they're going to fight, fight, uh, face Amanda Nunes for the title. Like Without someone there, it's just going to be a matter of signing a 145-er and then bringing him into fighter. And I think that's absolutely ridiculous because we don't have any skin in the game if we haven't seen these people fight before. That's the whole issue here with featherweights. I, I think it's unfair on Nunes to get rid of it if they if they get like they should almost leave it in seconds. the background, right? And when someone like Kayla Harrison comes along, then do the fight for the title. But I understand like it's not gonna be the most active division, but we still gotta consider Amanda Nunes the double champ. Mm. Boom. On the minute mark. Nice. Jason, you got one minute, same topic. You ready? Let's do it. All right. Give us your thoughts starting now. What this reminds me of is the Shorty Torres tweet. If you remember that, right after he got let go, he said that the UFC was getting rid of the flyweights. And of course, they did not. But they clearly had the intentions to for a little bit there. They also got rid of Dustin Ortiz, who was one of the top guys in the division around that time, and a couple others. This is what this reminds me of, where it sounds like the UFC is acknowledging that it's on their last leg, but they're not really getting rid of it just yet. And I think part of it, Part of the reason they're not getting rid of it is what we've seen for interim titles, where they'll just slap it onto a fight, you know, Colby versus RDA. Meanwhile, Woodley was booked just two months later against Aaron Till. It was just like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, we saw that with Holloway, um, even while they had just made Jose Aldo undisputed champ way back in, what was that, 2017. Wow, I'm out of time. (laughs) So I think we've seen this before. I think it could be a bit of posturing, but they're trying to give Amanda Nunes some clout because it looks good. They're not above giving people titles to try to sell pay-per-views. And I think, yeah, I think they're acknowledging it's like whenever Nunes says she's done, that's when we'll kill the division Um, because it will sell theoretically more pay-per-views. Cool. All right. There's no more thoughts. We are moving on to the third headline of Cruz versus Monster. Um, Same thing. Put your votes in the chat. This is actually a very long-winded one, so we will have time to tally the votes. I'm going to put that responsibility on you while I'm reading this. Okay, okay. I'll pay attention. All right, guys. I I know I'm going to win. Spoiler, because I'm reading it right. Yeah, it's like, Jason got 1,000 votes. This is weird. So put put your I got votes. A monster energy deal. Like <laughs> so, put your votes in the chat, Jason or Pizzi. Headline is Cruz versus Monster. Here we go. During his post fight interview with his win over Casey Kenny, Cruz went on a strange rant about Monster Energy and was cut off by the UFC broadcast. He's later clarified the Anik and Florian podcast that he was essentially being blackmailed by one of the Monster's employees. Hans Mollenkamp, saying that he was being forced to do extra interviews with him and take photos on his personal Instagram to get his sponsored money. Monster basically just said they would look into it in a public statement. What are your thoughts on this very strange situation? So, long-winded, I know. I'm sure most of us probably knew about that in the post-fight, kind of getting weird. So, let's go to the chat and see. I do think it's Jason. I actually think i might agree with that 
bullshit. It's, there is, there's, there's quite a lot for this Jason. This wedding is horseshit. This wedding is horseshit. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, Jason, you got one minute on your thoughts about this weird scenario starting now. Yeah, it, it feels like the latest in a long line of weird issues with UFC partners, right? You know, we've seen it with, uh, I mean, you want to talk about Ariel Wani and Fox, you know, the, way back in the day there, we got the new Dan Hardy situation with him leaving BT Sport. But then with sponsorships, you've also got all the issues with Reebok. And now we got this issue with, with Monster. And the thing is, you know, I am a huge fan of Cruz. So part of me just wants to take his side and believe him at face value. And I don't know any reason not to. Uh, supposedly, he's saying that other people have wanted to speak up, but they don't feel they've been in a place of power to actually stand up and say something to this guy because obviously Monster's such a big deal. And if you're <laughs> some of these other fighters that tries to speak up, you might be let go after your contract. Um, Ten seconds. So, yeah, I think it's one of these really bizarre things. I'm glad that he's speaking up because I get a, a feeling that it is coming from a very real place, and it probably is needed to be said for a while. Cool. All right. Jason's answer. Throwing it to you, Pizzi. You ready for your one minute? Yeah, absolutely, right. absolutely. Cruise versus Monster starting now. So when this happened on the broadcast, I thought he was joking because I've seen hands all the time in camps, even at Bellator fights, all these kind of stuff, and he's always in amongst the fighters. So when I saw him doing that, I thought it was a mock call out, like he was he was having a laugh with his friend. Then I find out there is substance to this, and I go onto Hans' page, and all I can do now is look at all these pictures with fighters and go like, are, are these like being held to ransom to be in these pictures with this guy? And and it makes you feel very strange about the whole situation. Mm. Um, I agree with Jason in that if this is happening, he needs to bring it up because you know it, it's the big guy in hands with, with a big brand like monster really forcing the fighters to do things that they don't they shouldn't need to do to get money like the money issue in this seconds. sport is yeah. is so fragile as it is and then to hear you have to do these extracurricular activities to actually get your sponsorship money i think it's a joke if this is true it's terrible and they need to stop it yeah nice. i think uh, just to add something here too i think it's another indication <laughs> that fighters need more rights Mm -hmm. They just do, because if it is more of a collective bargaining situation, they would have control over this from the get-go. You know what I mean? Um, it's just a really weird scenario where they're able to get strong-armed and bullied, potentially. You know, we don't know for sure. All all Monster literally said is, we'll look into it. <laughs> like, they went straight Eddie Bravo on it, you know? Uh, so we might find out more information as time goes on. But as it stands right now, it looks like a really bad issue that if there was more collective bargaining and that they could speak up without fear of retribution, because that's what it seems that's what it seems like. Something must be bubbling under the surface for that to finally come out. Like we'll have to see. But uh, it looks really, really bad. <laughs> wait, wait, like, I, like this stuff doesn't happen in other sports. Yeah. Like this stuff. Like you'd never hear like Gatorade told Tom Brady they won't give him a million dollars unless he comes over to the house and throws a football. You know, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. And I know this because I know American football. But I'm just saying, yes, it, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely madness. It would never happen in another sport, and that is why MMA is crazy. Pizzi's Pigskin Podcast, love it. All about it. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that form, man. Look at that action. 
Oh. <laughs> Best spiral I've ever seen coming out of that form. That's great. All righty. Getting the, the train back on the tracks. We are moving to the fourth out of five headlines. So, chat, same thing. Who should take this one? Jason, Pizzi, put your answer in the comments. We'll get to them in just a second. So, the headline is Leon versus Bilal. So, pretty simple. Break down this matchup and the implications for either man going into, obviously, this weekend. So that one is not as long-winded, so we'll give the chat just a second to catch up. So who should take it? We got two for Pizzi, one for me, three for Pizzi. We got a Jason in there. Seeing a lot of Pizzis. Win me back, people. Win me back. Did you say pizza? Yeah, oh, pizza. pizza, right? I, I like pizza. <laughs> yep, I'm seeing... Okay. I'm seeing pizza, so... Pizzi, we'll give this one to you. Starting off about Leon versus Bilal. You ready? Yes. All right, break it down. You got one minute starting now. It has been a long, long time since we saw Leon Edwards. And for my money, he is the most underrated fighter the UK has ever produced. In terms of everyone they've ever put out there, this guy has the best well-rounded skill set out of all of them, in my opinion. Fair play to Belal Muhammad for coming in here and saving the day because that man needs to fight. When I was looking at the MMA on point socials earlier, I saw a post that said it's been 603 days since Leon Edwards fought. That is scary for a top welterweight contender. And when I look at the fight, I, I think Leon needs to do something big here. It's not like he can go in and get a decision win. He knows he needs to make a statement now. This is, this is the UFC putting an opponent in there in Belal, a, a guy that's very hard to put away in fairness to him, a guy who's fought very well. But Leon should be on a different level to this guy. And if he wants that title, he's going to have to put him away. Fair play for Belal for doing it. I just feel Leon's taking on better opposition and should be able to rise to the occasion. Nice. On the minute. Love it. All right, Jason, we are tossing it to you. You got one minute, Leon versus Bilal. You ready? Yes, sir. All right, starting now. Yeah, so this is a really great opportunity for Bilal Muhammad. I, I think, no doubt about it, it's a very risky fight for Leon to take. Looking at Bilal Muhammad's record, he's won eight of his last nine fights, and he's on a four-fight win streak. Currently was on a four-fight win streak before the Jeff loss, uh, Jeff loss, Jeff Neal loss. So, I mean, he's... I think he's a strong contender here. He could be a dark horse for this one. I am taking Leon Edwards in it. I do think he should be the person who should be able to get it done. I think he's one of the top welterweights in the world for a reason, not just the number next to his name. I think he's proved himself in all the fights that he's had, including that Gunnar Nelson fight, which nobody would have advised him to take somebody like that down, and he was able to dominate him there. He also has the win over Cerrone. I think it's time that he finally starts getting his due. The inactivity has been his only enemy. Ten People are mad at about him for not taking short notice fights. You can't hold that against him. And so I think this should be an opportunity. Dana White's even talking like he could get a title shot after this, and I think it's about time. Cool. Alright. Damn straight. All right. Give the man a title. <laughs> shot. Title. Shot. Yeah, just, just give him a title, actually. <laughs> Just a title one of the general. old ones, you know, one of the old ones, one of those old like UFC nine belts or something. Oh, yeah. One of the retired ones. <laughs> All do. right. Moving on to the final headline, Venom preview. And Jason, I actually meant to ask you for the answers. Do you guys want to be on screen or just have the image the whole time? Oh, just uh, fly, uh, flash it back and forth, I guess. Cool. You know, bring it up for a couple seconds. I meant to ask that. For actually, recording. you can bring it up now if you want. 
Okay, yeah, we can do Flat. that. I'm not flashing anybody. That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll show the image while we kind of discuss this breakdown. So chat, same thing. Jason, PT, answers in the comments right now. I'm going to kind of preface it. So the headline of Venom Preview, which you can now see on your screen. So <gasps> a picture of Brian Ortega has caused a stir because it appears to show him in official Venom gear. This deal will begin in April for its first live event, so this is quite early to see a leak. Here's the picture, so what are your thoughts on it? So I'll kind of toss that back and forth. Let's go to the chat and see. I just saw a comment that said, looks like shit, so <laughs> I see your opinion on it. I think Jason actually might be taking this one. Oh. All right, all right, all right. Oh, I think so, so. All right, Jason, we will toss it to you. You got one minute on the Venom preview starting now. Yeah, so I'm not sure when I expected, but I am a little bit disappointed that it still kind of feels like Reebok just with Venom branding on it. I don't know what I expected. I, I think what I'm hoping for, when I, if I were to put this in a more idealistic case... They would sit down, especially with the top fighters. I understand that for new fighters, they're just kind of coming in. Maybe they need to earn their stripes, and they only have a limited number of designers. But I would love the idea for people to sit down with these fighters and let them keep their individuality in some way or another, where they say, all right, what's something that represents you? You know, For Chuck Liddell, it was the flames. Actually, that was Tito. For Chuck, it was the ice. Just something that goes along with their nickname, something like that. Work on something together and... It does feel um, a bit generic, if I'm being honest at this point. It feels a lot like the Reebok stuff. I saw JT Vo said it reminds him of like a posh affliction. I'm not getting any affliction vibes off of this, but it does at least look like Venom, so I'll give it that. Cool. All right. Petey, tossing it to you. One minute. Thoughts on the Venom preview. You ready? Yeah. All right. One minute starting now. I think we, we need to take it easy, right? Because this is going to be very much a prototype situation. Yeah. This is coming out a month before the official launch. Like, that could just be basic training gear. We know that Reebok give the fighters basic training gear as well. So let's not get our... our um, let's get not get into a tizzy about it just yet. But I will say I completely agree with Jay. I mean, they have to, they have to do something to get these fighters across... The fighters really are put on a way lower platform than the UFC brand, the Dana White brand. So I, I think it's on the apparel brands to really bring out their personalities. But look, I know that doesn't look fantastic. I'm not trying to say it looks fantastic. But Venom have been in the MMA game a long, long time. They are one of the seconds. old brands, you know, one of the one of the maybe the second generation MMA brands. So let's give them a bit of time. I think they can do a better job than Reebok, and I'm 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 remaining optimi optimistic. Mm. I was going to say optimal there. Optimal. <laughs> hey, uh, we just stopped in for another one of PT's Pizza Pigskin podcast episodes. It's great. <laughs> optimal. <laughs> optimal. Is that is is that how you throw a football like that? That's what I say whenever I'm, I'm throwing the pigskin a quarter mile. Optimal. <laughs> <laughs> I will hit my targets with an optimal shot. It's just very robotic. Yeah, exactly. I love it. But we got to be a bit more optimistic, right? Because Reebok was such a letdown from the get-go. Yeah. Let's not, let's not shroud this situation in pessimism just yet. I know that the picture doesn't look fantastic, but I, I, I hope 
and I'll come on here and take my licks if I'm wrong, but I really <laughs> hope that by launch day, they have something a lot better for us. I'm not promising that, yeah. but I'm very hopeful. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I think that you put in a good caution there. This is obviously some sort of prototype. You know, they might be, you know, just trying things out, seeing what it looks like on one of the top fighters and just kind of getting an idea to gauge uh, everything. But I mean, I'm still happier seeing that Venom logo. I will say that. Like, I, I think I have more of a, I don't know, there's just a closeness with the MMA community itself. You know what I mean? I feel like they're a real yep. MMA brand. And I, I like seeing that logo on there. I like it. So, um, it's a bit early. I can remember remember when this was all like hush hush and we're trying to find out who the next brand would be. And I still laugh about this to this day. (laughs) Uh, Dana White goes, uh, we're talking to Nike, Under Armour and Venom. Oh yeah. I heard Michael Jordan was at the negotiation table (laughs) with all those dudes too. I I wonder which one it's going to (laughs) be. Dude. Yeah. That is a crazy, (laughs) crazy difference there for sure. But it feels uh, it does feel good seeing that logo there. So um, yeah, let's give them the benefit of the doubt a little bit. This is also a very grainy photo. We're not seeing the most detail here. So um, yeah, I want to get into uh, moving it on uh, from here. I do want to get into some of the fan comments. Jay Tiva wrote me a freaking novel on Twitter, so I'm going to do my best to sum it up. Uh, Roger P just gave us a super chat real quick, five dollars. To those saying Aljo scammed the belt, and those who say he deserves it. No one really knows except him. Shine or shame the belt. Chill out. Well, that's the annoying thing for me. So, you know, uh, Faith uh, is in the chat. She sent me a message as well. We got Nicola Maxwell also saying that people are disliking the video. I do find that really annoying. Like, people were disliking the video before we even, like, we even went live. I don't know. You got to be super fragile to just be like, the mention of it makes you dislike this video. But I don't know. I, I saw a guy the other day on one of my videos saying that my voice was ruining his life. That made my day. <laughs> I, I sent that to about 50 people. I screenshot that shit. I got much enjoyment out of it. Yeah, I think um, I get the Kermit, Rogan, uh, depressed Joe Rogan. I get all those different things too. So no matter what you do, people are just going to be annoying about it. Why isn't he American? Why? <laughs> Pizzi, you're supposed to be American. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting to me too. Where you're just like that intellectually non-curious, to where you're just like, let me just stick with something familiar the whole time. Like, I don't <laughs> want to hear any other accents. I want to hear general American, damn it. But anyhow, so I'm gonna try to read through some of this. JTVO, Jesus Christ, you said you had long thoughts. I didn't think you had that long of thoughts. Uh, so I'm just going to read this out. This is a fan comment. This is somebody who's an OG. I wouldn't do this for most people, but I'll read it out. Here's my long thoughts. First off, Jan threw and landed an illegal knee, so the DQ is the correct decision. I personally think Aljo was concussed, and the fight should not have continued. JTVO goes on to say, but I also think that he played up the moment. To me, it's like in football, soccer, when the forward is within the penalty area and is fouled. I vehemently disagree with that take. Thus, they should be awarded the penalty. But as in many situations, the player feels like to get the referee to recognize the situation fully, they dive over or fall, whatever, when they exacerbate the foul to draw attention to the official and make the quick and clean call. So that's that's his first part of it. I vehemently disagree with the first part of it. Because like the idea of comparing it to like soccer flops, dude, soccer flops are like, worldwide bad we don't even really watch it here in the united states but when it when we see bad flops 
in the sport of soccer, they're like unbelievably bad. Like some guy like touches you on the shoulder or like pats you on the shoulder and they act like they just got hit with a knockout blow to their to their shoulder, mind you, and they fall over. Um, dude, like he got hit with a knee square on to the head. That was like, and he said that he believes it's concussed. I just don't see things like that in soccer. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's maybe there's some more nuanced cases that he's thinking of there, but uh, man. So that reading Jay Tivo's comments here, Aljo was hurt. So he does acknowledge that. But after, as the referee was taking more time, Aljo decided to give more significant image as to provide Mark Smith with the necessary information to make a call. To me, this is on the referee not making a quicker call. Mm-hmm. They have five minutes though. You know, they give the fighter enough time, right? They do that for a ball well, shot. Think- Why can't they do it here? If you see a guy that badly, con- like Aljo looked messed up, right? Like mm-hmm. when he was on the ground, like there was no, um, there's no doubt about that. Like w- w- whether these people think he's simulating or not, like that's the most significant shot landed in the fight. Yeah. And he's clearly reacting to that. So I, I think the five minute thing, when you think a guy is concussed or there's a possibility that a guy is concussed, throw your five minutes away. Yeah. Let's just call the fight. Fair you enough. You know, I think that's where I sit with it. Like, Fair enough. So it looks like you agree with him there. Um, where he feels like he cannot defend Aljo is the action to go and celebrate is ridiculous. His rebuttal, well, these people came out here for me to win the belt, and I did, so they wanted to be excited for me and congratulate me uh, for the years I put in, which in my opinion is stupid, as he's a grown man and can say to every single one of them, I didn't earn this, so I don't want to celebrate. I think he probably did that for like an hour, and they just kind of weighed on him, and he was just like, you know what, whatever. I, I think most people in that situation would be on the side of his friends just being like, yeah, it, like let's, let's flip this. If Jan was in the exact opposite scenario where Jan was hands down losing the fight and Aljo need him, like I would see it exactly the same way. I don't know. I, I, I do disagree with the celebrate winning the title. Apparently he just went to bed. <laughs> I'm not messing. That's what his coaches wow. told me. They were like, won the belt, went to bed and got the earliest flight out of there in the morning. So he could be with his family. There you go, man. Well, fair enough. Um, I don't know. I, I see it as one of those things. It's not his fault he got kneed in the head. That's what it comes back to. Like, yeah, yeah. If, if he wants to go out and get drinks with people and they throw a belt on him, he says, yeah, I'm the champion. Because he is, you know? And the guy, the guy has to start believing in himself at some point. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to have to fight this guy immediately. It's going to be an immediate rematch, you know? He's got to start believing in himself at some point. Doesn't mean he necessarily has to put on the belt, but I don't know. But your, your take goes on a little bit longer. I'm going to go to your last thought here, JT Vote. Personally, I would want the rules changed to that. So this is the one I disagree with probably the most. So we're just on totally different sides here, JT Vote. I wouldn't want the rules changed to that if the challenger wins via DQ, the belt is vacated and not won. It's then on the UFC's discretion to say if the former champion should fight for the belt against the challenger or not. I don't think that's a harsh enough penalty. I think you should lose your belt. Um, I think that's what somebody could say. You know, they could say, oh, I was about to lose my belt so I can guarantee an immediate rematch or something like that. So let's reverse the situation. If Jan was losing or something like that, or if John Jones was losing against Anthony Smith and he decided, oh, well, let me just knee him really hard to the head because I'm losing and he's on the ground. Like, let's reverse the, the situation here. Then... Yeah, they might get the belt removed from them, but they don't get it put on the other challenger. I think that is a way harsher penalty. I don't care who's doing it. Like, 
I don't think you should walk away with the belt with a DQ because I've seen other people put that argument out there. And I also don't think you should... Uh, I think you should be punished with a loss. I don't think it should be a no contest. Um, what do you think about technical decision? So um, that's what John McCarthy was saying. He said that at that point, what he would have done was he would have stopped the fight and gone to the judges' scorecards and seen what, what it had played out to at that point. What, what what were the rounds? I think it was two two judges had it for Jan, one had it for Aljo. What do you think of that decision, or do you think that the penalty I think needs it's horrible. to be put in place? Yeah, because what if you're what if you're the person losing? You know, like I don't know. Um, well, could, I guess you, I guess you, that would still like, wouldn't work there. Lose. But he he would walk away with a win. Sorry, I'm I'm kind of dissect. I'm kind of like so he would walk away with the win despite doing that uh, under the technical decision rules. Yeah, I think that's yeah. horrible. Cuz you have to be penalized. Like, oh, so you're saying like, oh, well, I can't get a Neo uh I can't get uh KO the clean way, so let me just do it while he's grounded so I can just end this fight cuz I'm getting kind of tired. <laughs> cuz nobody knows what's yeah, going to happen yeah. in that last round. How many times have we seen somebody like we thought for sure that they were going to be subbed and they continue on to the next round? Tony Ferguson versus Charles Oliveira isn't necessarily the best example, but we thought for sure his arm was either going to snap or he was going to be done at the end of that first round with Charles Oliveira, but he kept continuing. You never know. And so for me, Big John McCarthy, I have all the respect in the world for you, but that is one of the worst ideas I think I've heard. <laughs> because you, it's like no penalty. He just gets a technical, oh, so it might as well be a TKO at that point because the fight's over and he wins, you know? Um, yeah, your point's good. I understand where you're coming from. I, I actually, I, I completely understand. Like, I mean, if you have fouled, there needs to be a penalty. Yeah. They're, they're like, you can't be soft on a knockout level blow. Like if, uh, if, if let's say he did do that, let's say his leg was off the ground and the ref stopped the fight after that knee. Would anybody protest it? No. They were like, Oh shit. Like he really went down from that, 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 that knee landed hard. It was a TKO level knee straight up and down. It was, it's a black and white issue for me in terms of how hard that knee was. It's not necessarily a black and white issue in terms of does the rightful person. I don't think the rightful person has the belt. I'll stand up and say that all day long. I think Jan should be the champion right now, but he made a mistake, and that's why he doesn't have the belt. Um, I, agree, I agree in that sense. But I think the only thing I, I, I'd hold against Aljo, and again, I think it was tongue-in-cheek, was the Cejudo thing. I think yeah, yeah. you got to know part. the optics. The optics of this situation are... People have just seen you on the verge of being defeated and you've walked away with the belt around your waist due to a disqualification. You can't move the story on from Jan yet. There's mm -hmm. unfinished business there that he looked like he was about to finish before this happened. So uh, that's the only thing that that I, I think looks bad for Aljo. Like personally, I don't I don't really care. Once they make Jan v. Sterling, I, I don't care. But that's that's one thing I think that would probably rub a lot of Jan fans up the wrong way. Uh, rub a lot of just fight fans up the way up the wrong way haven't seen what happened in the fight yeah jtvo is clarifying I, mean, I get your point he's saying Jan should lose the fight by dq uh be stripped of the title with it vacated but aljo shouldn't have won it but who's being disqualified you're saying you lost a disqualification is not a no contest it's saying you lost and that's the thing like i don't think you can vacate a title when you lost like that means someone else wins and i'm not saying uh 
I mean, I wish there was like a third option that made sense. I'm just not sure that there is. Like you're presenting a third option that it would be vacated. That's what Jay Tivo is presenting. But I don't think that makes any kind of sense because if you make a penalty, how is that not different from you making a mistake in a fight and you getting KO'd as a result of it? You overcommitting like Luke Rockhold did against Michael Bisping and getting KO'd for it. It's a mistake you made in a fight, a tactical error at the end of the day. Um, and you lose the fight for it. I mean, it's like, you should know the rules. Like, it should be like seeing a venomous, you know, snake, a cobra in your living room, you know, recognizing the situation that his knee was on the ground. It should be like something you can't miss. You should know it. And obviously, it's easy for us to say that. It's easy for me to say that. I'm not there in the fight. I do think it was unintentional. But I do think it should be more drilled into it. You know, his brain. I do think a big part of it for Jan is he's, you know, coming out of uh, Russia where, you know, not they're not necessarily using the unified rules of mixed martial arts. I don't really recall of any place where they are allowed for a downed opponent knee to the head. But um, there might be some places. I don't know. But there's there's obviously... Go ahead, go ahead. I will, I will say to, to Jan's credit, I think he was aware of the situation that was happening. Like, I, I feel like he knew that, you know... Aljo was grounded, mm. but I think what he was looking out for, yeah, when he looked across to his corner, was has he has he got back to his knees? Because right now he the view he has, he's looking down. He can probably only see the top of Aljo's head on his back, mm. maybe his front is his leg that was on his hunkers because he one was on his hunkers, one was knee was on the ground. I think that was obscured, and that's the communication he's having with the corner. Um, people people who are saying like, oh, he doesn't know the rules, I completely disagree with that. I, I think that's. Like, I think the whole issue here is the communication or the lack thereof. To, to his credit, Pahumpa Damata, who was uh, the head ATT coach, you can hear him in the footage going, just hands, just punch, just yeah. punch. John Hutchinson says, elbows, elbows. And then, again, none of us speak Russian, but a shout comes from behind that might have been Russian, and that's when the impact goes. Now, I, I, I've heard people, two different people say this now. They thought that someone was shouting yet, as in no. <laughs> Don't do it. But he heard knee or something like that <laughs> it. was mixed knee up. Knee it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I don't, it's unfortunate. I think it's a really unfortunate end to a championship fight. Um, I agree. Look, the, the, the blow landed. At the end of the day, it's landed. There's no two ways about it. The guy gets smacked in the head with the biggest shot of the night. That's an illegal knee. Yeah. So the fight has to be a DQ. But I, I don't feel as though, I know you you said that Jan isn't getting enough shit over, but I do sympathize with him a certain way because I do feel like he was trying to figure out if Aljo was up or not, you know? Like, that's not to say that he shouldn't be disqualified. I just feel like it's an unfortunate situation. I think he should be pissed off. I think he should be upset, but I do. I just think he should direct a little bit of that back at who is to blame for this situation. You know, no matter what coaches were saying. I mean, I don't... I'll, I'll be honest. I don't buy that he couldn't see the right knee being down because that was the knee that it was from where he was standing. And it might've been obscured. It might've been hard to see. I don't know. Uh, maybe it was, it's so easy to just say um, what we could have done in that situation. I think it's unintentional. I think there's no mistake about it. Jan did not intend to do that. I have all the respect in the world for Jan and his camp. Um, but it was a mistake. That's the, the easiest way you can put it. That is, <laughs> You know, the truth at the end of the day, it was a mistake and it is his fault. 
It just is, you know, whether or not you meant to break a speed limit and go 20 miles over because you didn't know the speed limit was a 15 residential area. I had that happen to me where I was going 30 through a 15 mile an hour. So almost 20 miles an hour over and I got a ticket for it. The police guy didn't care when I said, oh, I didn't know it was only 15. I thought this was more of a, a through road, you know, it would be like 30 miles an hour. He's just like, nope, it was 15. Here's your ticket. Straight up. Yeah. You know, it, it got done the same way. Yeah. But mine it, was 160, unfortunately. Whoa. 160, <laughs> dude. Wow. You're on the Autobahn out there, man. It was, it was kilometers, right? So it's not as bad kilometers True. per hour. We do the metric system. But um, Which is I was weak. in a 100 zone. Measuring people know. by centimeters. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it's too small, man. It's like, oh, he's a 1,024 centimeters. Like, get out of here. <laughs> Yeah, I was in a I was in a bad one. That was a, I think it was something like that 150, 160 or something. It was a bad one. Big fine. That's big crazy, fine. dude. I don't know I don't yeah. know what that translates to miles per hour, but that sounds like a lot. <laughs> Definitely. Dude, um anyhow, I, I was in a Concorde. I I I guess like what I'm saying uh I don't think that you should be directing anger towards either guy. I do think there should be a little bit of I would like to see a little bit more humbleness on Jan's side, though. I would like him to be able to say, you know what, I made a mistake. And I understand that he should be pissed, though, about the Suhudo thing. I, I, I'm not thinking that either guy is blameless, but I just think it's ridiculous that if John Jones, like, I really do think it's a popularity issue. If John Jones had lost to Anthony Smith by legal need, because people were mad at John Jones afterwards um, for that fight, if John Jones lost to him via a legal knee, would people be as pissed at Anthony Smith mm. as they are right now for Alja? I think Jan is much more popular, much more well-liked, whereas John Jones is much less popular. So therefore, people would be like, yeah, serves that cheetah right. And obviously he has a history of, you know, USADA, failed test and things like that. Hit and runs, that sort of thing. So there's more, there's definitely more reason to dislike it. But we should be looking at this through the lens of objectively what happened inside the cage. Who cares what you think yeah. about him outside of that? That's not what we're talking well, about. We're talking about a contest and what happened in the contest. Your opinions, your feelings about him don't matter. You know, like you should be looking at this as neutrally as possible. But they've made, like Aljo by the, by the Cejudo thing has nearly made Jan into the into the the jilted party in this situation, mm -hmm. right? Because Jan comes out, first of all, on Twitter. He's like, I apologize. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. And then... These pictures start to come out. Cejudo comes out, and then Jan's like, "This is this." Th then I feel like that's when he went off. But I, I, I honestly feel like a lot of people had Sterling going into that fight. It was a an even fight, but Jan, Jan won everybody over with the way he fought up until that situation, right? Mm. Like, like it was, like you know, it Aljo close. came out with so much bluster. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I thought he was gonna finish him. I yeah. thought I thought he was gonna finish him in Me four too. or five. He was getting like, so I winded. That round was going to be a long minute, a very long minute. Yeah, I mean, he was just getting so tired. It was clear that he was very, very quickly fading. And Piotr, it felt like he was just getting warmed up. I mean, there's, there's, I don't think there's any debate about who was the better man on that night. And that would make you feel like when they fight again, you know, uh, he'll win. It's kind of like GSP versus Sarah. Uh, of course, uh, Sarah won in a legal way by finishing him, but we... It was a headbutt, damn it. It was a headbutt. <laughs> Everyone missed it, and they just don't have the right angle, man. I know you can watch and 
replays, but it's not the right angle, I swear. Um, no, it, it's just one of those things. I mean, it just sucks, you know? The the better man, I don't feel one. And An I, I think that's what everyone feels. An interesting thing I heard, Jay, when I was speaking to John was, uh, Jan has a, a guy he's been working with in Thailand, in, in Tiger, who has been their dedicated strength and conditioning coach um, for years, you know? So he has all these metrics on all the athletes. He knows basically how to get these guys into the best shape, what works for every guy better, what 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 does Jan like more? And that guy couldn't travel, obviously, because Thailand's so strictly in lockdown. That was the whole reason Jan had to go to ATT. Right, right. When I was speaking to um, his coach, he was saying, like, that's Jan, like, that's probably the most unfit Piotr has been in a fight in terms of hmm. just, like, stamina-wise, how long can he go? He said there was moments in the third round that Jan told him afterwards that he said, I could hear you calling out the combinations, but I just couldn't let my hands go. Wow. And he said, like, you know, he really feels as though if he had that extra pop that he usually has in there, it wouldn't have gone to the fourth round. You know, that's that's what they're saying to me. But I, I'm just saying that's crazy, right? Considering how much output Aljo had in those first couple of rounds and Jan to stay in there and then look like he's growing into the fight as it's going on. And they're saying, yeah, that's about three quarters of what he could be. That's that's really impressive to me. Mm. Yeah, um, I don't think there's any doubt the smart money is on Jan for that rematch. I mean, that's that's the key thing that sucks about this. I hey, d- one thing, one thing that nobody's talking about as well, actually. Uh, sorry, Jay. Go for um, it. The whole thing about this fight was striker v grappler. Look at the takedown stats. Jan took him down seven times. Right. Like, I mean, I honestly feel like the Cejudo fight. Like that's that is that is a very competitive fight. I'd nearly favor Yan, given what he like. I know it's a different level with with Cejudo. He's an Olympic wrestler, mm-hmm. but no one's gonna tell me that Henry Cejudo is a better striker than Piotr Yan. I understand he's a better wrestler, but so is Aljo. And look what he did there. The way he blends uh, the grappling and the striking is is really next level stuff. And so disciplined with his with his hands. Like I mean, Aljo was coming at him furiously in that first yeah. round. And to have the patience to just be like, I'm just going to block it up. I'm mm. going to block it up. I'm not going to need to throw until I know I'm going to land. I'm not throwing. And then he drops him at yeah. the end of the first. I mean, that That's a really intelligent, disciplined fighter. And that's why I think it's so crazily out of character for him to deliver that knee in the fourth, you know? I think mm. he's he's going to be disgusted with himself at the end of the day, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's there's just nothing good about it. Uh <laughs> I mean, it's it's it, everyone has a sour taste in their mouth. That's a hundred percent. I mean, it's the first time uh, that this has ever happened, right? I've heard other yeah, people say it. You. I haven't actually looked into it myself, but yeah, like I think uh, there have been some bad, and maybe that's a list video. <laughs> the ten most unsatisfying title changes in UFC history. Um, obviously, Boss Rutten versus Kevin Randleman comes to mind. That was just a really bad decision. Uh, it happens, you know. Um, Vitor Belfort, Couture, the eyelid cut, the famous eyelid cut of just like cutting underneath his eye. It happens. But let me go to um, the fan comments. I'm curious to see what you guys are saying. Louis, uh, Luis Gomez says Joe Rogan is here. Well, there you go. Um, can we also recognize how good the fight was as well? Outcome sucked, but a fantastic bout. Also, the Sandman is the best striker at 135, in my opinion. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, uh, he definitely made a case with that flying knee, didn't he? Um, 
Yeah, I think we do need to recognize that. And that was a bit of what you were starting to do there, Pete. I mean, the, the fight itself was fantastic, and it did show brilliance, particularly as the fight went on for Jan. So if nothing else, we get to see what we enjoyed about that fight again and see how each person answers it. If it's true that Jan was a third of what he normally is or whatever it was, um, Aljo is making claims. I, I know those aren't being received well, that he normally has more energy and the adrenaline got the best of him, whatever it was. So we get a chance to hear both of those things come together and see what the, the, <coughs> the fight actually looks like. And at least we get to see another good bout, you know? So hopefully it doesn't end the same way. <laughs> Can you imagine Aljo twice? just needs to manage his output a bit, a, a bit better, I feel. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I felt like he, he was on him like a rash in that first round and I expected him to be. But I felt like he was... You know, he was nearly putting it all out there too much to the point where he was losing so much gas over those first two rounds that he couldn't give a good account of himself in three, four, five if it was going to go that yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, that. Like the amount of strikes he threw, it was nearly like that thing in The Simpsons where he's like, "I'm going to keep on walking forward like this, and if I hit you, <laughs> you know, it's not my fault." Like, I mean, it was oh. it was crazy. It was um, the pace, like the, the, the pace, the volume was insatiable. Like I've never yeah. seen that kind of volume without so much success. You know, I'd love to see the percentage of strikes that landed in those first rounds, and first two rounds. It should be also acknowledged that Jan has quite the chin on him too, because there were some knees that landed to his head that he just ate. He was just like, no, I'm good. Let's keep going. <laughs> like no slowdown, no change in pace, just kept doing his thing. And it was really like uh, on that note too, defensively, you were talking about just kind of putting a shell up and blocking everything. It really was like a rope-a-dope performance for him. You know, they always call it Tito Ortiz versus Frank Shamrock MMA's rope-a-dope because that's essentially what happened in that fight in a, in a different way. But it was like Tito Ortiz controlling him. He was the bigger guy. Frank Shamrock just reserved his energy. And by the end of it, just absolutely destroyed Tito and it felt like it was going that direction with Jan, where he just played the rope-a-dope, just let him throw everything he had at him, landed his shots in the middle of it too by dropping him and things like that, but it was just such a well-reserved performance up until that point. So, I was, I was talking to, as you guys know, you might have saw the, the, the camp piece I put up on um, Jan ahead of the fight, uh, the UFC 249 camp, and I was talking to the guys like about Jan's sparring sessions, and... Um, there wasn't a lot of detail in terms of the, the fighters he was fighting with, so I didn't include it. But mm. um, they were saying that one day they brought in, like, you know, John Hutchinson is there with Jan and uh, DeMata from ATT is kind of calling all the, the sparring guys in. And they said, like, he was, like, by accident, a, a 170 guy came onto Jan's mat and um, they were about to start. And one of the ATT coaches said to Hutchinson, He's like, oh, geez, I didn't realize that guy's way too big. And then uh, Hutchinson was like, no, he isn't. And the guy got carried off the mats. Oh, that is mental. Like, and there is something, there is something about Jan, right? Like, there is like, he seems like a nice guy. He's always joking, but there's this nastiness there as well. Yeah. Like, you know, he can just turn on like a switch. Like when I was looking at him in the corner before the fight started, I was like, that is a turn. That is a guy tuned up turned on and ready to go he he's not even thinking about anything else apart from aljo you know i think um i think that's an incredible ability to have to just be like oh, i'm confident in myself mm. i know what i'm gonna do to this guy and just block everything else out including the corner going don't knee him in the head <laughs> <laughs> so focused 
<laughs> yeah, I um, I actually did meet him at UFC 239. I was just there as a fan, and uh, Tom and I were being fancy, and we had a uh, we we're in the VIP area, which you, it's not worth it, but we paid for it that one time. Uh, but the cool thing about it was fighters go back there, and so you know we were standing in the area because it's kind of like a, a skybox is essentially what it is, looking down on the cage. And I just looked to my right, I was like. That's Peter Young right there. I just started talking to him. I was like, "Do you mind being called Peter?" He's like, "I hate this. It's Piotr." <laughs> I was like, "Okay, I'm calling Piotr from now." When the much. man talks to you in person and tells you to call him Piotr, I'm not calling him Peter anymore. It's done. He threatened me a few times. Um, he learned English to threaten me on a podcast once, which was uh, hilarious. <laughs> it was just like, "I will kill you," but it was terrifying. It was enough for me to go, "Listen, Piotr, no problem with me, mate." <laughs> oh, that's great, dude. Yeah, he was actually a really cool guy, though. He was, um, I don't think he had a fight booked at the time, so he was drinking. He was just hanging out there. Like, they were, uh, you know, they had a bar nearby. And so we were just sitting there drinking, just t- chatting about the fights, and he was super chill. Like, really, really cool. Of course, he wasn't animated. He wasn't smiley. He was, you know, he was very stoic, but he was like carrying on a conversation. And his English is better than I think a lot of those interviews preclude because usually. Yeah. I think he knows he's more articulate probably in Russian, so he just speaks that, and then they translate it for him. But he speaks English really well. And that was 239? So what are we talking, you know, uh, almost two years now? Two years in July? He's like a really um, simple guy, apparently. Like, all he does is fish, train, and spend time with his family. I think he has mm. two kids now. But um, that's that's really another element that um, I think was tough from going to ATT. As much as it seemed to be a great success, apart from the knee, of course. Um, I, I think usually when he goes to Thailand, he's able to take his wife and his kids with him. So it's 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 just a comfort thing for him to have them there. And this was obviously a long time away. So uh, I do think there's... Like, I, I just think Tiger has become the guy's home, right? Yeah. Like, he's been there for six years. Mm. So... That's impressive, man. He he moved to that camp. There was no pre-camp. He just arrived at ATT eight weeks before a fight. Mm. And Damato Hutchinson and those guys put together, like, you know, a guy like that who went out and competed like the way he did against Aljo. Like, I think those guys did a smashing job with that. Yeah. Like, for really unsettling. For your first title defense, you're going to a mm. completely new gym. You're not even giving yourself time to get used to it. You're just there, eight-week camp, and off you go. That's very impressive whole lot more on the line. I think um, it was Hutchinson that also said, too, that he firmly believes a happy fighter is a better fighter. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I believe he mentioned that specifically about training at, you know, Tiger Muay Thai. So it's pretty crazy to think about how much they went through for that. I'm not sure what it looked like on Aljo's end. I know Aljo's been spending a whole lot more time in Vegas. He's got a place there. That's where he's been doing his podcast. The one that you guys have seen that he put up yesterday, that was in Vegas. That's his like new house that he has out there. So he's not spending nearly as much time with, you know, Weidman and Longo and Sarah and, you know, the traditional camp that he has. Isn't he splits between the both? Yeah. um, He's been spending a lot of time. What happened with Sarah? Someone told me that Sarah isn't in his corner anymore. Is that true? You know, I... I think I was too distracted. I can't remember. The fight. I don't. I don't remember Sarah being there because I feel like he's such a presence. If he was there, you would have noticed it. I don't think he was there. Yeah. I wonder what happened there because I mean, like Sarah is a big personality and all, but mm. like above all else, the guy has been in huge fights. He has had the belt wrapped around his waist. Yeah. And he's a he's a he's a wizard on the ground. Yeah. Like anyone anyone in the jiu-jitsu game, 
always gives this guy credit way back in the day when he was there. He was a, a proper Hanzo Gracie black belt and just feels like um, mm. that's a big absence if he isn't there, right? Yeah, that's huge. And he's also like a great coach, you know? He's he's always lauded for his coaching abilities. So not to have that there, that has to be a, a big, maybe, big maybe change. People, um, I, I put up something about the fight on, on the night mm-hmm. and somebody tweeted me going, that's... That's what he gets for getting rid of Sarah out of his corner. And I was like, do you know, like when everything happened, I didn't even think about like rewinding the TV to mm-hmm. see if Sarah was there. But that was something that was said. If anyone clarify in the chat, that would be great. Yeah, correct us if we're wrong here, because I, I definitely don't think he was there. Angel Martinez says Matt probably got COVID. That's a pretty fair case to make. I mean, you never know. Yeah, yeah that's I mean, true. Yeah. In today's, uh, you know, full year of COVID, uh, you know, kind of climate, that could definitely be the case. Word is that Sarah won't be his coach anymore, says Average Russian. Sarah wasn't there, says Hussein Azar. <laughs> Somebody just said, wrap this up. Okay. Why, what, what are you talking <laughs> about? Um, do you want to talk about something else? What, why don't you tell us what you want to talk about then? You can just click off the page. Um, anyhow, Chris Weidman would give Izzy the hardest fight. Actually, no. middleweight. Joe Lozon? <laughs> Dude, can you imagine if that's the real Joe Lozon? Um, yeah, I fully disagree there. He wasn't on the embedded either, says Faith Rock's really good point. Um, yeah, so it looks like everybody's saying, um, Dan Hardy. But the COVID theory still could be intact, right? Say that again. The COVID theory could still be intact, even if he wasn't there. I mean, you know, 100%. I don't want to, I know I've led to us jumping to conclusions here, so I apologize, (laughs) but, uh, I, I'd be really interested to find out, though, if that is the case. If he is, if it isn't in his corner anymore, why not? Because he's so valuable, you know. Mm. Um, apparently, that was a reference to Dan Hardy about moving on. Well, actually, that's a really interesting topic that I haven't heard as many people talking about. Um, do you have anything that you want to say about the Dan Hardy case? Because that's really interesting. I mean, that's like he's personally one of my favorite commentators. You know what I mean? Like he's. I've always enjoyed him and John Gooden. That's actually one of my favorite broadcast teams, period. Um, That I don't feel like until really Fight Island, you know, where it's been more advantageous to have the European commentators out there. They've had a little bit more shine now that that's been going on. Um, Yeah, what do you you make of this loss that the UFC now has? I, I see it as a loss big time. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel as though, like, I'm, I I wouldn't religiously watch analyst videos and things like that, but I, I do think Dan is, is, is the best one. Like, mm-hmm. every time I watch him, I, I, again, I'm not interested in these things, and I find myself going down the wormhole, you know, like, think, like really, really absorbing what he's saying. Um, look, if, if this was an issue with the UFC, I completely understand um, him not, you know, having an issue with the UFC where he's not working for them anymore. Well, I, what I don't understand is um, the BT situation. Like, I mean, was mm. I don't know how that carries over to BT. I, yeah. I don't know. Again, yeah. like they're, they're, I, I don't know the ins and outs of the situation. Um, but that's one thing I, I guess I don't really understand. Why, why would uh, an issue with the, the UFC result in him not working for BT Sport? Like, I mean, yeah. It's it's pretty. It, we we know about the Ariel Awani and Fox situation, and that was a really sad day for all the media in the sport when when things like that could be held against you and removed from your post so easily from being at loggerheads with the UFC. Mm. I really hope it isn't a situation like that. I don't know if we'll ever find out uh, what truly happened here, 
But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a loss. Yeah. Were you um just out of curiosity? Were you already Ariel's coworker at that point? Were you with MMA fighting by then? No. 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 I, I was friends with Ariel. Um, but I I, I didn't uh, I wasn't working for MMA fighting. I I believe that was probably about 2014, 2015 maybe, and mm. I didn't join MMA fighting until 2016, 2017. Gotcha. So um. Yeah, it hadn't it hadn't happened yet, but I can remember being worried about it as a up and coming media member, going like, you know, every other sport, mm. they understand the role of the media plays. Like they understand that it's a process of verification. If you say something, we're gonna try and find out if what you're saying is accurate. We're gonna that that's the that's the whole job. Yeah, basically, and then to be removed for for just doing a job that anyone in any other sport would do, just feels crazy still feels crazy this day so i hope that didn't happen with dan look look i don't know the situation it could be something crazy um but i guess yeah it's tough to know i'm hoping that some more light will be shed on it i don't know if dan has actually put out um any sort of i've seen his twitter uh you know kind of breaking that down i know the response has generally been good he has his own platform there with full reptile and the, the the raptors do great work and all the lads really well so I don't I don't think it's an an issue in that regard. I think everybody still can access Dan Hardy's um work and that's the most important thing I guess for the fan base. But it, it does just feel a bit foggy around there. And I I've actually I'm reluctant to comment, you know, because yeah. it's we know so little about it, I guess. Yeah, what I what I would really love to see is, you know, him come out on his podcast and he, he's probably already planning it. He might even be, you know, recording it as we speak. But I would really love to see him illuminate the situation because usually if it's a resignation then there's a nda signed but i uh not under the impression that he can't speak up about it but you know that doesn't mean lawsuits and things like that still can't occur so it's a sticky situation but i hope some more of the details come out about that because that's such a in my opinion and it sounds like a lot of the fans opinion and to an extent yours that uh, he's just such a big part of that team and as as far as it relates to the Herb Dean situation, I took his side on that one because like the the moment that Dana White had talked about, so you could say this is the second straw, and I guess to a certain extent it is from the UFC's eyes. But if you look at the photos and you look at what happened there, where there was the confrontation outside of the cage, it was actually Herb Dean walking up to the commentary booth, and you can actually see the photos of him because you can see the the plane the pane of glass that's in front of him you know like the, the covid protocol pane of glass that's in front of him her uh, her dean comes up to him dan hardy was staying at his booth he never left he never went in confront of him unless there's some other scenario but that's the only one that i've seen people reference it's just like i don't think he did anything wrong in that situation because how many times has joe rogan done that we're like this is a travesty i remember when john jones lost to matt hamill it was like Joe Rogan went on like a five-minute rant about Steve Mazzagatti, and Dana White did the same thing afterwards. It's like, how are we just now in this plane where we're saying you can't criticize a referee? I think that's the commentator's job. They're there to tell you what they think about the situation, and obviously there has to be some filter because it's live television. You can't say fuck or something, but you can tell the truth. You can say what you think, and I think what he was doing in that situation was saying, Stop the fight with as much ferocity as he should have been. 
because you're looking at somebody's health on the line. And so I don't know what necessarily happened backstage. There was all these rumors that it was Lorisenko that he had an argument with. Lorisenko's come out and said that that's not it. So it seems like it's along those lines for this sort of thing. We don't know for sure, but like the idea that it's a second strike for me and that it, it was just too much, I, I can see some people mentioning that in the comments. I just really don't think that's the case. I think he was, unless there was something else that happened backstage that we don't know about that had to do with the first situation with Herb Dean, um, we still don't know what's going on with the supposed second situation. I think he was fine in the first one. Um, in the second one, we'll, we'll just look, have to see. One thing I will say is like, BBC iPlayer have just signed a deal with Bellator. I mean, mm. <laughs> I mean, surely, surely that's a that's a shoe in for a job there. Like, I mean, as we said, he's one of the best analysts in the game. The BBC is a prestigious British organization. I mean, it feels like you know he could basically <laughs> just walk into that job there. You know, like they could do a hell of a lot worse too. Yeah. Again, we don't know what happened, so I mean, it, it feels. Um, that's why I'm a bit reluctant to say anything else. Yeah. yeah. You know? Well, hey Dan, hit us up. Looking for a job. We'll give you a really Stop. shitty situation. Really shitty. Not nearly as cool as working for the UFC itself and, and BT Sport. But hit us up. Um, it, just as long as you didn't do anything terrible, you have to be up front. So we'll see. Anyhow, <laughs> let's move it on. Uh, Roger P. So speaking of analyst, Roger P. $5. Love Dom as an analyst. Hate him as a fighter. He can't <laughs> lose without making That's excuses. He can't win without whining that he deserves more respect. So wait. He can't lose without making excuses. You're talking about one loss here. One loss. Yeah, didn't he have the, like, the most celebrated post-fight uh, loss speech ever where he walked out and he was like, this happens to all of us. Yeah. And it was like an amazing, it was like an Oscar-nominated moment where he just kind of bore his soul to the world and then walked away and we're all like, wow, that is fighting. Yeah, that he is took the, the Cody business. Garbrandt loss extraordinarily well. Like I, I, yeah. I've seen that. I mean, I'm, I admit freely that I'm a huge Dominic Cruz fan. He, him and DC are in a rare, rarefied category. I'm neutral on 99.9% .9 of fighters, but you look at those two. Yeah. I'll admit some bias there, but I watched that replay again. And I still feel like that was an early stoppage against Cejudo. I still feel that way. Um, I think he has a reasonable case. Should he have Called him, you know, beer and cigarettes, Keith Peterson. No, he shouldn't have gone that far. No, he shouldn't have. But um, I was actually going to say that earlier when you were talking about <laughs> Mullenkamp. You were like, I have no reason to believe that Dominic Cruz would say anything wrong about someone. I was like, eh. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah, that was definitely a bit crazy with Keith Peterson there. But um, is it one of these situations where he's making excuses like this all the time. No, I think this is the only time he's done it. And to be honest, I don't think the fight should have been stopped. Should he, he probably should have handled it a little better. Sure. But, um, yeah, that's on, one, man. one loss that we're talking about. One loss. Um, uh, anyhow, let's see. Red menace. Dillashaw's the best 135 pound striker, not Sanhagen. Okay. So that was Jay Tiva that said that he was. How was Jan not in the conversation, lads? How was Jan not in the conversation? <laughs> Seriously. How, how, did you, how did you watch those last two fights, <laughs> one against Jose Aldo, who reigned at the top of the featherweight division for a decade, and he beats him, he knocks him out, and then he goes in, and that happens with Aljamain, and you guys are going, not even in the conversation, huh? Yeah. 
Oh, I know what it is. He doesn't have an American accent. Sorry. <laughs> of course, the other two guys. Of course, Sandhagen and Dillashaw. How silly of me. Wait, you don't have an American accent? I thought you were from Wisconsin. Um, I'm just going to I thought Jan was from, <laughs> from Texas. I, I don't know. Uh, I thought he was from a coastal area in North Carolina. Uh, I'd see those Barat fights are the legendary striking clinics, especially the first one, says Redman is talking about Dillashaw. So, I mean... I think you yeah, can make they a case. <laughs> Surely they're tainted. Like the guy is on EPO. Yeah. Oh. I'm afraid, like, you know, that, that kind of does throw some uh, shade on the situation when you are able to go at the same clip. Pete, see, he tried it for the, the first fight. time during the Cejudo fight. He'd never heard of EPO even before then. It was a brand new thing. Somebody was like, oh, this is a dick pill. Let me try the EPO dick pill. He, he just thought it was for his... His pain. But I will. Like, I think that there's a good example of how a, a fighter's technique wears when when they get fatigued. Mm. Is actually a great example of that in the Israel Adesanya v Jan Blahovich fight. When you see those two guys come out at the start, they look about the same size because Izzy's form is so perfect. Jan kind of lunges <laughs> a bit. He's a bit more crouched down. But by the fourth fifth round, they they look. Uh, you know what I mean? You start to see the difference. Izzy's gait has changed significantly. TJ Dillashaw was poker straight all the time when he's fighting because he was juiced to the gills. I was just laughing because you literally went full like stereotypical Irish because you're in a condensed space. So you went like this kind of like <laughs> <laughs> it's like the stereotypical fighting Irish like <laughs> it literally looked like that. Come here, you bowsy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. I've seen some of those. So speaking of, uh, you know, people on the team that are Irish, Walsh, who edits some of our videos, by the way, bang up job on the video that went up yesterday. Absolutely incredible yeah, stuff great. coming from uh, Tomas Walsh. Welsh. I can't get over the Irish pronunciation, but anyhow, he showed me some of those like legendary, like bare knuckle guys and the way they talk with their like crazy thick Irish accents. It's just like unreal. But uh yeah, your point stands. You're working down techniques, and here I am making jokes here. Jason versus no, PT for saying. UFC 260. Let's do it. Who am I fighting? Oh, mate, I've got an injury. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one who actually trains, to be fair. I would get my ass handed trained to Trained not for a long time. Not for a long really? time. Really? Did you get injured? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I got uh, it was just a lot. Like, I mean, when you're training grappling, your body's broken. Like, mm. if anyone trains in the, in the, you know, I trained for Dana seven her. years and it just hurt. Like, it just, your body starts breaking down. Like, it gets to the point where, like, my girlfriend's like, oh, do you want to go for a walk this evening? I'm like, no, I'm going training tomorrow. I need to keep all of oh, my your physical capabilities. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's just, it just got to the point where I was just in pain too much. And I was like, mm. Yeah, I'm stopping it. I had really bad. You see, I don't have a lot of muscle on my body. I'm really flexible, but I don't have a lot of muscle. So my lower back would be constantly in pain because I'd be, I'd be. We used to do these six a.m. training sessions where it was just me and a couple of Russian dudes, really, oh. who are all way bigger than me, mm. and they just <laughs> pretzel you up. Shit up. <laughs> wow. Yeah, man, that's brutal. I always think of John Danaher when I think of people that are injured. You know, one of the most brilliant BJJ coaches on the planet, practitioners on the planet, but his knees are just, like, fully gone. Like, there's just nothing going on there. Old, old grapplers look as well. Like, they look, mm. like, 15 years older than they are because their faces are constantly just mashing off each other. <laughs> Everything is just... 
Their hips like, are I, gone. Somebody, they can't walk. Like I'm genuinely shocked. Like some of the lads I met on even on the regional scene here, mm. like I felt like I was, you know, twenty years younger than them. And it turns out they're younger than me. I'm like, what in the name of God happened to you? You know what I mean? It's just a really brutal, brutal thing to train and constantly train and uh, especially if you're not making a living off it, right? Yeah. Are people just going too hard in those situations or are they just unpreventable, like accumulated just, injuries? Like, yeah, it's just I, I just felt like I was never given a time off. Um, even though my coaches would tell me to just stop training, you'd <laughs> always show up. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, huh. I think everybody's guilty of that. You get it, you get addicted to it as well. But then on the flip side of that, when I did give myself the time off, you're just constantly thinking like, oh man, when I go back there, everyone's going to kick the shit out of me. The guys I, I used to beat all the time are going to kick the shit out of me. And you, you're basically playing this mental battle. So I really appreciate when people do take a break like I have and they went back because that means they're way tougher than I am. Yeah. Interesting. Max is in a same, uh, a, a very similar uh, area because I know he's got some health issues that they've told him not to train, but he's just like, no, nope, I'm going back. Like he loves, loves, like totally addicted to it type kind of thing. Sounds like a similar yeah, thing. Similar. Yeah, I know a lot of guys, um, a, a lot of guys were told never to train again. It's just, you know, it's like that. It's just one of those things you get addicted to. It's just fun, yeah. Well, um, we'll go on for another 10 minutes or so here. Benji Sampson, Kevin Holland, Derek Brunson, who's winning? Oh, yeah, so we got that coming up too. Man, Derek Brunson, he shut us all down with a Shabazzian talk, didn't he? Yeah. Because I think we're in a similar situation here with Kevin Holland. I think Kevin Holland has ironically done more than Shabazzian did because Shabazzian took more time in between the fights. He had the, the weird fight with, um, who am I thinking of? Derek, what's his last name? You know, I'm talking about the English fighter coming over from Cage Warriors. I'm missing it. Darren Stewart. Darren Stewart. I said Derek. Darren Stewart. That's why it wasn't coming to mind. It's like the first name, usually once you got the first name, the last name comes along. Why isn't it coming along? It's because I was saying Derek. Uh, yeah, that fight was uh, went to three rounds. It wasn't quite the showcase we expected for him at that time. And so I think some of the hype slowed on him, whereas Kevin Holland just had this incredible year. Best newcomer by far um, of 2020. Hamzat was right on his trail before everything happened with COVID and that whole tragic situation. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think I think the emotional part of me, but the part of the, I don't know, I'm back and forth on it. I would say Kevin Holland probably gets my vote against Derek Brunson, but Derek Brunson proves himself time and time again, and you just forget about it. People remember the Izzy loss. They, they remember things like that that Derek Brunson's gone up against, um, but they forget the Uriah Hall wins and, the, you know, the, the KO, TKO run that he was on for a couple of years there. And you, I think there's part of it, once you see someone meet a gatekeeper and it doesn't really go that well for them or they meet somebody towards the top of the stack, it's kind of like there's a part of you that wants to move on. This happened with RDA. This happened with Robbie Lawler. This happened with Jan. You know, I picked against him against Izzy. Now I'm not picking against him anymore. This happens all the time. And Derek Brunson is in a similar uh, position here where you want to count against him because of the losses that he's had. And the, the, the momentum, just the sheer, you know, like the way he beat Jacare was just ridiculous. From the bottom, I literally watched that replay probably a hundred times of Kevin Holland KOing Jacare. That's one of the best fighters on the planet. 
one of the best middleweights ever, truly is. You know, he may not have a belt in the UFC, but he was on the dream circuit forever. He was on the strike force circuit forever, beating all the best guys outside of the promotion when it used to be, let's be honest, a lot thicker outside of the UFC. The free agent game used to be, I would say, a lot better back in 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011 than it is these days. And I think organizations are doing a better job of that. But I guess that's a long-winded way of saying I'm taking Kevin Holland's, but I probably shouldn't be counting Derek Brunson out. I don't think we should. You you made a good point, actually, by bringing up the Stewart fight because that was – you know, that was one of the fights where maybe he, he didn't gain the momentum he had in his previous fights or the ones afterwards. Mm. But I think that also showcased like a blueprint. Mm. You got to take that guy outside of those first round and a half mm. because the, the situation opens up a lot for you after that point. It's just he's so dangerous when he's in those opening rounds. He, he can KO guys from everywhere, which we saw um, against Jacare, of course. And um, yeah, I, I, I think anyone would pick... Kevin Holland haven't seen those fights. Well, but, um, sorry, I was talking went... about Darren Stewart versus uh, Shabazian and sorry, Derek sorry. Brunson beating Shabazian and saying that there was a bit of a... The hype train is higher for Kevin Holland than it was for Shabazian, and I, I was just kind of acknowledging that. My bad. Uh, yeah, and I was just going to say, you mentioned Shumoyev there, so I, I figured it would be a good time to give you his, a brief bit of information I got on him. He attended oh. an event... In Stockholm on Friday, it was broadcast on UFC Fight Pass. And some of my friends were there covering the event, some of my uh, Swedish colleagues over there. And uh, they said he was in very good spirits. He di- he wasn't doing media. They didn't want to be bothering him with, with everything that's going on. But he had a few words with them. And they say they feel a lot more, they feel a lot better about the situation. Just having seen him there, wow. seeing he looked very happy. And, and just said... It, it seems like an improvement from where the situation was. These guys be working very closely with the, with that camp, so um, that that is at least something positive we're hearing. It's great to see that he's out and about. Like from the what we heard, I mean, the guy was struggling to do very very uh, run of the mill things. So I think that's a positive note that we should all um, we should all embrace and hope for the best. Yeah, seriously. Well, that's that's actually really good news. Hopefully, um, we we continue to hear things like that. But the thing that makes me uncomfortable about that, knowing how it's affected him, is just like going everywhere with COVID. Just like, no big deal. But I don't think he tests positive for it anymore. It's just that he has the long term Oh, the long term effects. Yeah, I don't think he's like, he's capable of being a vector or spreading it or whatever. Mm. But um, I, I think it's just his lungs haven't recovered. Like his, his body hasn't basically recovered from his belt with it, which is, which is scary shit. Good point. Um, bringing it back to the, uh, the Darren Stewart thing though, it is a good point to bring that up with, uh, the Shabazian kind of juxtaposition there. I think with Shabazian, it was one of the few fights he had leading up to Derek Brunson. So it was maybe more of an indicator in Kevin Holland's case, it was a split decision, but, um, Kevin Holland's had everything else on top of that to go with it, including that Jacques KO that just happened in his last fight. It's just like, it's hard not to be hyped about the dude. Did you have a thought on who would win that one? I think, uh, I think, um, I think Brunson's capable of making things awkward for him. But mm. I guess the whole nature of Holland is how awkward he is. You know, you don't know where the strikes are going to come from, dude. It's, it's like as I said about Amanda Nunes when we were talking on Sunday. You're getting thrown in a blender with Kevin Holland. It's just like avoid the blades, avoid the yep. blades. Oh God, avoid the blades, <laughs> and then next of all, you've been chopped in pieces. Dude. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's just unreal the the angles that this guy can get a KO from. Like, off of his back like that. I mean, who else can we even think of outside of... Oh, I know who I'm thinking of. He had that weird draw with Cerrone. You know, I'm talking about guys. Anyhow, next Super Chat. Obviously, um, this is from Jacob Hill, $5. Obviously, Aljo didn't fake being hurt to get the title, but celebrating with the title after and calling out Henry in my opinion, wasn't great. What about you guys? So we've talked about most of this to, an, uh, to a large extent. We disagree with the Henry uh, decision to take the photo there. I think he should have said no to that. But, I mean, there's all this footage of him actually at the party, and the it's essentially his friends cheering him up, telling him, man, put the belt on. You're the champion. And then, like, convincing him. It's like a room full of people saying, like, admit that you're the champ admit it in front of us like i literally if you want to check my twitter there's a quick 30 second video you just watch that tell me what you think about that because i think i certainly fault him for the Cejudo thing i don't necessarily halt him uh fault him for saying you know what i have the belt around my waist because someone else did something to lose it i don't think i don't i don't have a hard time with that i don't think he would have done that on his own i think he was coaxed into that by his friends but i would have been one of those friends that would have done the exact same thing and i would have been super happy to see him admit that he was champion i think anybody who's his friend would have done the same thing um that's just me i don't think they need to post pictures of it though that's probably put him in the shit more than anything you know what i mean yeah yeah <laughs> they've they've actually they've actually found like they've made this situation True. happen where people are like what are you celebrating with the belt aljo and he's like jesus christ i was just trying to stop my mother from crying yeah good point come on <laughs> Well, cool. Um, let me see if there's any uh, other comments. Last ones here before we wrap this up. Average Russian, my favorite, Usman Habib and Izzy. I respect Jan a lot more after his fight with Izzy. So he is in my top 10 now. Average Russian? Were you responding? I know there's somebody in here named Average Russian. Jan is Polish, so I hope that's not the point that you're making. That he's an average Russian. Um, Oscar goes to Aljo, says Powell. Dude, I, I just think that's nuts, man. That was a TKO level knee. You take a knee like that. Next time you're with one of your pals, <laughs> ask him to <laughs> knee you like that. And then, uh, you know, you guys can talk about whether or not that was an Oscar-worthy performance. I think you're fucking you ain't gonna nuts. You ain't going to be talking about <laughs> I legit think... Any, yeah, I mean, like, I legit think anybody that thinks that that was an Oscar-level performance, they're doing the ultimate armchair fighter thing where they're like not at all trying to put themselves in his shoes. Like I understand being frustrated with it. Nobody here is cool with how that situation went down. It sucked. Everybody thinks that that sucked, but there isn't a single person on the planet that's going to take a knee like that and be like, Oh, okay. Well, let's, uh, when you go out in the shield, bro, <laughs> go out in the shield, dude. Come on, I would have got up and KO'd you. Yeah, man, it would've been <laughs> so easy for me. It's like I just think you're fucking nuts if you don't think that that knee wasn't hard as hell. That replay is all over Twitter. You don't even have to have Fight Pass or ESPN to find that. Watch that and tell me that wasn't a hard as hell TKO level me. I think you're fucking nuts if you think it wasn't. And I, I, it annoys the shit out of me because people are doing that. They're watching it like they're a fictional character. They're watching it like it's WWE, like it's like it's a scripted thing that happened. They're not real people doing that for our entertainment. They're acting like it's just some video game and that just happened and we should treat it like it's a bad storyline. 
No, real life doesn't work that way. People get hurt for real, and they don't. It, reality doesn't give a fuck what you want to happen. A star is going to be in the sky, and it's going to be there no matter whether you want to pray it away or act like it doesn't exist. It exists. So do bad things happen. Bad things happen in real life, guys. God damn it. It's still real to me, damn it. It's still real to me, damn it. It's just, yeah, it's just crazy to me that, like, even if you think he faked it, you're still making an incredibly, like, punitive value judgment about someone that you have no clue. Like, you're you're just guessing that, even though you see how hard that knee landed. I think it's fucking nuts. Anyhow, Roger P., we'll go with this for the last comment. Let's get us on a different subject. So glad to see Jan and Israel complimenting each other, both respect. Yeah, see, this is the great way to end it. Both respectful class. The wind bolstered Jan, but didn't diminish Izzy's 185 greatness at all. I agree with that. What do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm so happy Izzy gave us that moment. You know that that's what this is all about. Um, daring to be great, as he said afterwards. And as fans, we should appreciate that. Like that was that was something we don't see every day. There can be all these title fights. It's only a handful of times where we see guys who hold a belt go up and fight a guy for another belt. And as fans, we should be grateful for a guy taking that risk because it's a big risk. It is a huge risk taking on someone that's 20 pounds heavier than you, probably more after he rehydrates and stuff like that. So for me, he's still one of the greatest fighters in the world. Um, You know, I think a lot of people, they probably saw Cormier do it. They saw Cejudo do it. They saw Connor do it. So they're like, well, why isn't he going to do it? It's easy. Yan is so goddamn good. And that's that's the great story here. We have a new star in Yan, a guy that's finally getting the credit. And I think Izzy carried himself in a great manner afterwards. I still think he's going to dominate 185. I don't think that fight gave anyone an indication at 185, oh, that's how we do it. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes down there and dominates for many, many more years. And I do not think his business is finished at 205. I don't think he can mm. beat Yan. I'm not trying to say that. I think the better man won. But I do not think... Israel Adesanya is finished at 205 pounds. Yeah, I think he'll come back as well. I think he uh, is going to learn from it and try to come back down the line. It might be a couple of years. might be next year. I hope it's the the latter option. I, I hope yeah. that he spends more time at middleweight, gets comfortable in that division again, reminds himself that you know what he did was incredibly difficult. Very few people have ever done it and succeeded at it. And again, what you just pointed out, it proved that Jan is that great. Because like, and it, 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 for for Jan to be finishing everybody like he was going into that fight and not be able to finish a 185-er is a testament to Izzy. You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. he, the way he did to Reyes, what he did to Luke Rockhold, you know, like the kind of things that he was doing going right into this, Corey Anderson, you know, like incredible, just shut out the lights performances Izzy was able to stand through that and make it go to a five round super competitive decision all those rounds were close in either way that it was scored there were super close rounds until the fourth and the fifth those were the most decisive with the takedowns being involved so yeah I think uh, there should be credit put in both guys directions I'm really thrilled with both of them in their respective divisions and what they can do there. So great point. We did get a couple more super chats here. Jose Gomez, when you look into it, eyes, I'm not sure what he's talking about, but when you look into it, that might've been a reference to one of the Kumite topics earlier. Cause I did put that at the end of one of the questions, Jacob Hill, $5. 
It was Nico Price, and does Islam look like the next Habib? So yes, it was Nico Price on Randy Brown. That was the other KO from the bottom that I was asking the chat for. So thank you on that one, Jacob Hill. Does Islam look like the next Habib? So we'll for sure end it with this. We had a couple more Super Chats. Please, if anybody adds any more Super Chats, I would implore you to not do those because we won't get a chance to read it. If you want to, to support the channel, you can, but just want to give you a heads up. We'll probably end with this. Uh, what do you think? So this was your um, underdog fight of the night. Not underdog, but uh, underappreciated fight of the night going into it. Him versus Drew Dober. What are your thoughts on that? I have been dying for a performance from Is uh, Islam Makashev to underline the hype that's been heaped on him by the likes of Abib, the likes of Cormier. All of these guys telling me that this guy is great and I never saw it until last Saturday. Oof. I thought... He was absolutely magnificent. Look, look, look at what Drew Dober's done against two red-hot prospects in his last two fights, Alex Hernandez and Nasra Hakparast. I was thinking, man, this is the most stringent test of Islam Makashev's life, and he went out there and he mopped the floors with the guy. Yeah. The guy couldn't do anything to him. And it was a level of control that we rarely see in there. It reminded me of the mastery of the Gaethje finish with Habib. Mm. Um and I also think he is not getting enough credit for the call out of Tony Ferguson. Ooh, and it's I not because he called out Tony Ferguson. It's the way he pitched it. Mm. He said, all of you MMA fans wondered what Habib and Tony Ferguson looked like. I'm going to show you. That is brilliant. <laughs> that is that is so good. The guy, that's, that's, that, that is a 10 out of 10 performance. I can't, I can't fail the guy on anything that week. Um, he's shown me that he is a great prospect at 155. He has shown me he's capable of giving any of those lads trouble. So full marks. My hat's off to Islam Makashev. And yes, I am finally on the hype train. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, dude, a thousand percent. That looks like, to compare it to Habib um, and kind of contrast it with it, we didn't see as much ground and pound. We saw his own style emerge from there and we really saw him chase position and go after submissions a little bit differently than what habib did we did see a lot of the techniques but of course they've been training since they were little kids together they're basically brothers um so we did see some of that but yeah we did see a habib level performance on the same token at least comparative to where habib was at that point in his career on the periphery of the top 10 and top 15, we saw him just absolutely dominate somebody, not even give them a winking moment in the entire fight. It was just an incredible controlling performance. And yeah, I'm with you, dude. The Tony Ferguson call out was incredible. It's the fight that we all wish that we got to saw. And this is probably, you know, you want to use the word vector in a different sense from how you used it earlier. This is probably the best vector to seeing something like that. The best conduit, the best analogy to that fight that can exist out there. I absolutely love the idea. I think it's a brilliant call out and uh, Islam proved that he deserves. Definitely. If he's not in that top 10 this week, I mean, geez, uh, he needs to be in there very, very soon. He looked incredible. And you know, Tony is looking at this going, if I beat this guy, I'm going to get that Habib fight. You know what I mean? Like that, that's what Tony's going to be Revenge. thinking. Tony's going to be thinking, I go in and I smoke this kid and then straight away on the mic, I start going at Habib and trying to lure him out of retirement. It won't happen. It won't happen. Like, I don't think the fight's ever going to happen, but that's how Tony works. That's maybe the way Ooh. he's thinking about this. Well, we've seen how, you know, the, the, the Dagestani boys respond to revenge. They're about all about honor. it. All about honor, yeah. All about defending their own. So, yeah. I mean, crazier things have happened, but I just feel as though 
Habib has been so negative about Tony. It just seems <laughs> it's never going to happen now. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, well, anyhow, I think that's a great place to end it this week, guys. So just a reminder, we are switching to the Extras channel moving forward. Hope you guys join us on that new platform. If you're listening to the podcast version, nothing will change for you on the audio podcast version. That would just be simply uploaded to where you're listening in it now as normal. But uh, yeah, thank you, PT. Thank you, Lawton, for all the work done behind Ooh. the scenes. Really Thanks, enjoyed Lon. it this week. We had some spirited debates and spirited comments. There have been a lot of trolls jumping in here today that are just like, I don't know, disliking the video before it even went up. So please, beat back those those fools. Get us some likes on this video. Find them and beat them. And <laughs> set them on fire. Find them, beat them, and yeah, call out Habib after you're done. Everyone is these days. <laughs> So appreciate you guys. Really enjoyed it this week. We will see you on the next live chat and we'll see you on the next video tomorrow. You guys have a great day. Peace.